It's so easy as leaders to be drawn away from God's perfect plan when we get distracted by our own plans or when we think we know what needs to be done without consulting God or when we become so enamored by the shine of our own perceived glory. But those are all traps and we know it. Listen as Ken Brooks and I dig into the importance of drawing closer to God as leaders. Welcome to Leaders Moment, brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Welcome. I'm glad you could join us again. Ken Brooks is with us again as well. And he and I dig into some key insights he drew from my second book, Anthologies from the Forefront, Getting Closer to God. I'll tell you at the outset that Ken drew some things out to me that were a little uncomfortable for me to share. But it's our hope that this will truly impact your life. Scott McClelland, FX Missions. Leaders moment. Hello. Greetings. Welcome. Thanks for being here. And uh, I'm joined by Ken Brooks of the famous Brooks clan, I believe it is. Hey, Ken. Hello, Scott. How famous is that Brooks clan? I'm just curious. I mean, if you're talking about the shoes, it's pretty popular. Garth Brooks, he's up there. Come uh, on! That's right. People who know who I am, but uh, nothing in comparison to those other two. <laughs> Well, I think in heaven, your name's probably jotted down at a minimum somewhere. And, you know, that's the part we're all counting on, I think. That would be sweet. Yeah. And uh, it would probably outlast, from an eternal standpoint, any natural fame we, we may have cultivated. Thanks for being here, Ken. We are in the middle of this, I guess, series, if you will on Leaders Moment about some of the writing I've done, and we're on book two right now. It's the anthology series. There, All this stuff's available on Amazon. Book three publishing soon. The book we're talking about today is book two. I guess you would call it subtitled Getting Closer to God. And so that's good. Book one was Leadership and Mission subtitled. And then the third book, which will be coming soon, is subtitled Religion and the future, I hear someone engaging around, you know, from the magazine, click, click, mm -hmm. boom. We're going to talk about the third book, and you're, Ken's going to have the content in front of him before it's publicly available, just so he can sharpen his knife. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yes. Well, me too, in a manner of speaking. I think it will be my most confrontive chronicle to date, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You've All in warned. love, right? <laughs> you you have been warned. But right now we're getting closer to God. So that's, you know, that's everybody wants to do that. Mm -hmm. At least at some level, I think we think we do. So you've been super helpful in this effort. I really appreciate it. And I think as you mentioned in the pre-session, 
If you find that you've made those some of those mistakes yourself, don't think I'm talking to you. I think you, what what was that? Can you say what you're saying? I'm reading through your book and I'm like, my gosh, I've made so many of these mistakes. And you you knew me during that time, and yet you still <laughs> befriended me, and it seemed like you liked me. I don't think that you're writing the book about me, but <laughs> my gosh, you hung in there with me through it all. I appreciate that. Hey, man. Well. I think I, at least in my knowing, I was probably the one making all the mistakes first. And then, you know, that, so it was, yeah, there's a lot to learn. You start from go. You know what I mean? You don't start from, you know, the 20-yard line or whatever. You start from go. Right. We all start from go. You know, we ought to be patient. If we can sense and feel the Lord's patience with us while we're learning and really take that to heart, I think it'll help us. Be patient with others while we're all we're all in the process. We never stop learning, mm-hmm. or maybe we're invited <laughs> to never stop learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully, I'm taking the the Lord up on His invitation there. Kind of like in our previous chat session, we we're pulling out some things that really stuck out to you in the content of the second book, and I think we, I guess, your top takeaway. <laughs> And we were trying not to get in trouble on this episode. (laughs) It's bound to happen. (laughs) How many minutes in will we be? Uh Herb begins to fly. I don't know. But this is a pretty, pretty confronted. And this particular quote, if you will, you pulled out of the late chapters of the book, I think. You want to, you want to read it? Yes. You say on page 138, let's not be led astray by our desire to, quotations, set things right from a human point of view. Many, if not most, injustices await the resurrection of the just. Mm. What did you mean by that? (laughs) Okay. Feel free to email me later if you want to you want you want to uh take me to task on this someone. Social justice isn't a thing, is it? No. Oh, that's where my mind goes, man. <laughs> Social justice, okay? Justice is important. All mm-hmm. right? And it is. It, it's it's important justice. I think a lot of times what we see today moving in the social justice or the cry for equality Mm -hmm. is actually a desire for dominance. Okay. Tell me more. It's a reaction to being perceived as having been dominated. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I'm going to get into sticky here. I know I am going to, but I'll work my way through it. Human justice. This particular quote, I think, came from something I, I guess, occurred to me as a friend of mine. Her family had some family land. She was, she's a longtime friend. It was her mom's family's inherited land. And her mom and dad were married for many years. In the later years of life, her mom passed. A lady married into the family, and over five years' time, that lady 
basically had all of the inheritance changed into her name. Ouch. The father passed. And the land that my friend and her brothers were supposed to inherit actually went to people who kind of worked their way in and flipped the script and ended up with what was, I think, hundreds of acres of land. And the justice piece of that, you can say, ah, you know, that's not just. It's not just that that happened. Right. And you're right. That's true. Mm-hmm. But there's no recourse. Was it right? No, it wasn't right. Was it legal? Yeah, it was legal. And there was no recourse. But in the resurrection of the just, those kinds of things are going to get sorted out. Mm-hmm. And I think our hope for justice in a broad sense awaits the resurrection. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong to do justly, but I think. A lot of the push we hear and see for justice is that someone, let's say myself, I'm wanting someone else to act justly. It's not about me acting justly. Mm. It's about you acting justly. And the, the scripture's clear. You'll probably be able to quote it better than me, but walk humbly, do justice, walk with, you know, whatever, and this and that. Most of the scripture's about doing justice are, are about me taking responsibility for living a, you know, a just life. Right. Not about me imposing upon you to fulfill my sense of justice. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. So setting things right from a human point of view, I think can be treacherous. And if we take action in a carnal sense of the word, to set something right that is spiritually motivated. We're going to strengthen the spiritual environment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The darkness that is there controlling is going to be strengthened by our carnality, you know, our reaction. It's like, you know, if the devil can't control you by getting you to do what he wants, he wants to control you by getting you to react to his motivations. I see. Even if it's in the contrary. Did I over-answer that one, Ken? I don't think so. If anything, maybe we, we under-answered it. I mean, not that you were default in what you did say. I see a lot of uh, different social justice aspects that are coming forth and kind of taking turns in popularity, whether it's the abortion issue or human trafficking or whatnot. Right. Do you have any uh, examples of pure form of social justice in any of those arenas? I don't know. You know, I don't follow it super closely. Yeah. I think my, as I mentioned, the background to that particular quote Mm -hmm. is some justice that my friend's waiting on. And I think in my conversation with her, I tried to comfort her and say, look, this is going to be set right. But a lot of what we're waiting to set right is not happening in this life. Yeah. But you wouldn't say like, you know, on some of those hot topics, like we just sit back and do nothing. I don't think you're saying that. No, no, I don't think so. But we have to focus on, I think, us doing justice, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Us being led into how do we behave justly, not necessarily reacting to what someone else is doing, Uh but acting proactively in a way that is expressing God's desire for justice. You know, I thought about, I was thinking about this yesterday somehow. 
the whole life tape thing, right? And the Roe v. Wade thing and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That, to me, was, <laughs> you know, I was thinking, that life tape overturned Roe v. Wade. You remember the life tape thing I'm thinking about? I do, about? yeah. Tell me more about that. I, I'm yeah. very familiar with that. Yeah, I was I was just thinking out of out of the blue. I was thinking like back in those times when people were putting the tape over their mouth that said life. Yes. You know, it was basically like there's too many words. Mm. <laughs> you know, let's try silence, uh -huh. but let's do it in a way that expresses the value of life. Yeah. That would to me was God inspired almost. Right? Mm -hmm. right. And not without consequence. To me, that was an expression of a cry for justice that wasn't blaming somebody sure, or making somebody unjust in comparison, like, you know, accusing or drawing in people into a light that was, <laughs> it just said life is valuable. Yeah. No words needed. Yes. The spiritual environment responded to that. And consequently, later on, you know, the natural environment responded to the spiritual environment. Indeed. I knew I'm maybe not doing a great job of explaining that. Hopefully it made sense. It made sense to me. Hopefully it made sense to the listeners out there. Yeah, I hope so. We need to stand up for justice and free the oppressed and, and resist evil and you know in the sense that we don't want to see evil perpetuated on other people and like that defended orphan and the widow you know that those things are clearly pointed out in scripture but i think also we have to be careful you know if we have hope only in this life yes we are of all men most miserable and what is it saying some of our hopes have to go beyond this life and some of our hopes for justice i'm saying here actually sit beyond this life. So yeah. I think it's true. I think we certainly have to be led and take action where directed, but I think we got to be careful because this justice movement can become a thing of its own. You know, mm -hmm. it can like have its own life in the sense that it displaces <laughs> the thing that w one t at one time motivated it, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Kind of seems like it's become a label almost like if you don't you know put the right ribbon around your facebook profile or mm. it means that you're on the other side you're on the other team you don't care right it's almost like a fad or a fashion in itself mm. maybe we're missing the heart of justice and we're just it's become a style i guess yeah i'm not saying it quite right there's probably better words to be used here but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, Maybe we feel we don't care as much about the situation as we care about what other people will feel about us and how we look at the situation. Right. Yeah. yeah. In vogue. I think you're saying it's in vogue. Justice in vogue. is in vogue. You know, it's in vogue. Yes. Yeah. Well, Lord, help us for sure to know what we can help bring justice to and also avoid the traps mm -hmm. that are called justice <laughs> there's a lot of them out there feels like to me and that was it for our program guys no we got a few more here <laughs> we got a few more here but the over answerer 
among us. I'm going to say that's probably me. Uh, you know, I'm over answering, but hope that helped. If you see it different than me, feel free to shoot me a, you know, your point of view. I'd love to hear it. What's next, Ken? Next question or next, next quote. Because we don't know anything, but we are having strong feelings, we can be moved around by the feelings in ways that don't make sense and or don't reflect reality. Mm. Feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think what I was talking about here is that, you know, early on, like uh, when we're starting or whatever, or when we're new in a subject or new in a field or new in a place, mm -hmm. we tend to have strong feelings that aren't, ma they don't match up with deep thought. Mm. I mean, you can feel a certain way. It's not wrong to have strong feelings, right. but you, at least as strongly as you feel, you've got to couple that with some deep thought Yeah, and maybe even investigation. You might say to yourself, why am I having such strong feelings about this? You know, it's important, mm -hmm. you know, maybe something that's, you know, rung your bell or something that you feel strongly about, as we're saying. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have depth of knowledge and understanding in that, you get whipped around, right? right? You know, the scripture that comes to mind is like being driven by the winds and tossed, mm. right? Yeah. That I think is in Ephesians 4, talking about maturity, spiritual maturity, and about how if we're spiritually mature, if we take to heart the teachings of Christ and we incorporate Christ's likeness in these different aspects, then we're going to become spiritually mature people yeah. and we won't be blown around right. by the winds. Strong feelings is what they're talking about there, blowing us around. Yes. Because we're not well grounded. We can really look like a kite, you know, one of those trick kites, you know, that go all over the place. Yeah. And I think that's what I was talking about. And I guess maybe we, can also remember you remember the scripture talking about deception mm -hmm. there i think it's in the book of james maybe also in a couple of other places where it says that the false teachers are like clouds without water this might be in james and one other place i can't remember clouds without water it also said like the foam of the sea mm. right the sea, if you think about it in, in kind of figurative terms, the sea of humanity, right, is being blown. There's a force of wind that's interacting and engaging the sea of humanity. And it's, you know, it's generating foam, <laughs> you know, just like the sea does. And it's that foam is being blown about, you know. Yeah. That's happening to us, you know. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. Isn't new information exciting? You know, I mean, you hear new things and you start to feel like it it makes sense and it, it really hasn't gotten very deep into your brain. You know, it gets in your ear and you kind of make sense of a little bit and you find somebody to tell <laughs> about that and you just, you kind of go off like you know so much about it. And I don't know, there's just, it feels like there's energy on that and I know especially in Bible college, that isn't uh, the exclusivity of uh, my mm. error on that. But 
it was just real fun to go back and tell other people what you learned. But I know I felt like I expressed things as though I knew more about it than what I actually did and was kind of just getting caught up in the thrill of information and the look what I know that you don't. Mm -hmm. And there was a couple of times where I got taken to task where the other individual actually did know, <laughs> you know, a lot more than I did and let me know the error of my thinking mm. in that because I hadn't fully processed it all yet. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong to be excited by learning new things or, or being exposed to new things. I think that's natural. Right. Sure. I guess the thing to avoid there is trying to use the new things you've learned to appear a certain way. Mm -hmm. or to compare in a favorable way sure. to others. Mm -hmm. Man, I remember doing exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Wow. I remember one time where I was sharing some stuff with guys and I had memorized some stuff and I would learned some stuff. And I, you know, I, I remember telling them this stuff I had memorized <laughs> and the look on their face, it was like, oh, are you serious? You yeah. know, they were like, wow, that's pretty <laughs> cool. And it, it, to me, it was like, oh, yes. Uh huh. That was gratifying. You know, yeah. I blew back their hair a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that kind of goes. Uh, Who's on top now? <laughs> it kind of goes to the point here. Uh, some of these other points are, are wrapped into that. Mm -hmm. Point four comes to mind that you're yeah. talking about there. It kind of ties in with that. Mm hmm. I'll read point four. Once you realize that you are God's son or daughter, that you have been called from eternity past by him, and that this is your primary identity, you are in line for this temptation, the offering of this world's glory. Can you see how the process works? That, to me, at least in my example, this wasn't a good thing, but mm -hmm. I was realizing that my knowledge superiority could be an instrument of power mm -hmm. or maybe glory as well. You know, in this conversation I was having with these guys, they're like, oh, dude, tell us more. Yeah. You know, I, I came to the end of my memorization. I'm sorry, guys. I'll get back to you. You know, you know what I'm saying about this whole idea that knowledge, you know, or being perceived as a powerful and a knowledgeable person is actually a temptation mm -hmm. that we you see in the temptation of Christ, right? Did you feel that way? Uh, yeah, I did definitely felt like it was an opportunity for power. I think because of a lot of people I was around were playing the same game. And so if that's the circle that you're in, you know, you just keep racing to outdo one another. Yeah. Just to be impressive, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think guys struggle with this more than girls, I think. Probably so. I mean, having three daughters, it's a constant education. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure which doctorate I'm on, but I've got a few. Right. But ladies seem to be more collaborative and see someone else's strength as a way for us all to do better. <laughs> and guys are like, let's arm wrestle. Come on. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like. It's more aggressively competitive. And in this way, I think that also is an expression of competition. Sure. That game saturates a lot of environments. Mm -hmm. And in fact, is sponsored by some of the people who are leading the way. I mean, that's the way that they 
themselves <laughs> right. got to be known by having superior revelation. Right. Boy, that's that's dangerous. For sure. So dangerous. And, you know, I've got the trap marks here on my ankle. Uh, <laughs> both ankles, probably. <laughs> I've been in that trap a few times. You want to give us point three, please, sir? Yeah, let's do it. Did God make provision for your stability? If so, why are so many who claim to be named by the name of Christ so unstable, wishy-washy, and driven about by their own lusts and or deceptions, or by carefully crafted deception that others trap them in? Mm. <sighs> well, wishy-washy. Yeah, wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I think that's true. Uh, observable mm-hmm. is what I mean by that. What I was trying to say there is that our personal, spiritual, and emotional stability is something that God has made available, right? He, he's made available for your stability, keeping in mind that we all start where we are. We all start at zero, point one, whatever. We start, all start at the beginning. And I think we, should become more and more and more stable as we grow and continue to follow the Lord and walk with him. You know, in the beginning, we're going to have some weird ideas. We're going to have a lot of strong feelings Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily grounded in the truth. Mm -hmm. And then we maybe make some demonstrations. I remember having a conversation with people and they're trying to tell me, Love is the most important thing. And I'm through gritted teeth saying, you need to repent. Or, you know, I was, that was, <laughs> I was like fighting these people who were trying to help me. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was unstable, like maybe too aggressive, but I was early in the process. So little by little, you know, we add to our faith virtue, you right. Mm-hmm. And to our virtue knowledge and, you know, all the other things that first Peter tells us about. We're growing in our stability. We got to keep in mind that wherever we are in the process, not to worry too much about it, but to keep moving, right? Mm -hmm. One thing that'll help your stability more than anything is by relating to people who walk more instability than you do. You Mm -hmm. know, that's going to help you. Yeah. It's going to help me. It's going to help us. Why are we so unstable? A lot of what we call the spirit leading us looks like to third-party observers as inconsistency or wishy-washiness or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, was the spirit leading us? Should, be, should we be willing to follow the spirit, whatever the spirit is leading? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times we use that as a catch-all. Okay for some of our foolishness, or maybe we're sensing something in the spirit that isn't the Holy Spirit. We're being inspired by the spirit, okay? Yeah. The yeah. fruit is what's, you know, we know the Holy Spirit's activity by the fruit it produces, right? Mm-hmm. If it's producing fruit that doesn't match the Holy Spirit's characteristics, we might want to be honest about that. Yeah. Which yeah. I think we are, we can be. Sure. We should be. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure if that was a rhetorical question or not, but, uh, you know, we're, yeah. yeah. 
Is it, is it fair to exchange the word unstable with overzealousness? Overzealous? Mm. Could be. I remember being overzealous, admittedly. And to be honest, in that time, I don't know if I could have recognized stability. I recognized other people's overzealousness and thought that that was the thing to be. Mm. So I modeled myself after that. Now, life's consequences would help me see better of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think you could use that word there. For sure, I, I think I was at times overzealous. Yeah. I might be underzealous now. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm not. I yeah. mean, maybe I'm underzealous. I don't know. Comparatively, I'm less. Comparatively to Jesus or comparatively to much of Christianity? Yeah, maybe just compared to the me who was overzealous. You know, I don't, you know, the more we know about Jesus, the better we're going to love this Jesus. You know, he yeah. is uh, such an example for us. Even all the scriptures that prophesy about what he was going to mean and who he was going to be when he arrived mm -hmm. a bruised reed mm -hmm. he will not break in a smoking flax he will not put out until he has demonstrated justice to the nations we're bringing it all back oh, guys yeah. we're bringing it all back we're bringing it tying it all in jesus you know like i would see where's that bruised reed let's get the, you know, i'm breaking things and putting things out Mm. I remember the scripture in Romans that says, you know, a person who's weak in the faith, receive that person, yeah. but not just so you can condemn them for their weak theology. You know, that's a paraphrasement, obviously, but it, but not for doubtful disputations, I think is what King James says. It mm -hmm. basically is saying, receive this person who's weak in the faith and don't beat them up because they can't make sense of what they believe. Right. The receiving part to me is the part that transmits value. Mm. I say to someone, you're valuable by receiving them. Not necessarily, you may have nothing intelligent to say. That doesn't mean you're not valuable. Right. You're valuable oh, because man. Christ died for you, you know? And, yeah. And uh, I just read another book where the guy was really, he was hitting at that very same thing. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Which one was that? The Accidental Pharisee, the name of the author escapes me, but The Accidental Pharisee, super good book. I recommend it, but not before Scott's Anthologies book. <laughs> Thank you kindly. Maybe we can just touch on this last point. Okay. Of course, folks, you can get this book in its entirety just there on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Feel free if you can't afford it. You let me know, and uh, I will take aggressive action to remedy that issue. I think we're on point six there. Point six, yes. The people who had epic faith in history did not have epic faith as a goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to stand by that one. Without further commentary, right? Yeah, you, you pray the prayer and you put on the cape, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the things that's challenging for us as believers is that we have the entire book, right, mm -hmm. in our hand. You know, yeah. let's say the Old Testament is 4,000 years of history. 
right? Yeah. In terms of reading time, you can read that in maybe several hours. You know what I'm saying? Like you could read it in 12 hours of reading or, or 18 hours of reading. You read the whole Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You got the New Testament that covers far less time, but still is, you know, all of these stories and all of this stuff that we read and we we aspire to the book of Acts. I'm thinking about other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It is very condensed in terms of how we experience it. Mm. And we can either get condemned by that because we don't feel like we're moving very fast, or we can, you know, maybe it inflates our pride because we see ourselves doing something that's written in the book. Yeah. Both of which are obviously can be a struggle. But the people in history who had epic faith were, I think, focused more on following. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wrote a, an article, maybe in one of the books called patriarchal vision or something like that mm-hmm. and it talks about uh abram and abraham and of course we get his whole story yeah. in a handful of pages and that's a whole we got to remember that's a life that's there in all those pages yeah and we don't want to get condemned because we're we feel bad by comparison but his what was happening to him is that he was focused on following right, right. yeah and it was so early on in the entire process of faith that it actually he's called the father of our faith. You know, the way he approached faith and pursuing God and following him set a precedent for everyone who would come later. Patriarchal perspective is wow. what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's possible for us to have epic faith. Even biblical and substantial, significant, earth-shaking faith, but not if we have it as a goal. <laughs> right. Yeah, that resonates with me. I, I think in the beginning, my uh, modest operandi, or I always, <laughs> however you say that, it was doing like uh, doing epic things to build the relationship rather than working on the relationship that would lead to epic things. Like, mm. I just had it backwards. Yeah. It's like you're working for something, you know? Yeah. For something I already had. Mm. Let's let that sink in a little. Yeah. Well said, Ken. You're working for something you already had. And looking like the man of the hour yeah. in the process, you know? Yeah. It's a sad fact. And this is a completely different set of topics this would head off into Mm -hmm. but a lot of the insecurities as you know as a young man that i was that i dealt with and a lot of insecurities that young men deal with are because they they lack mentors or people who are walking with them sure in life and growing up it passes on a set of insecurities to you Mm-hmm. that make you feel the necessity of proving yourself right in demonstrative ways sure right i yeah. think that kind of comes with the program in terms of adolescent youth or whatever there's some of that there mm-hmm. but we bring that stuff on into the faith because we lack the coaching and input and relationship and walking together right of older brothers who have been at it a minute yeah i i agree i think there's there was that 
And then there was just, there's a system that plays out in Christian circles that says that being famous is, you know, where it's at, you know, <laughs> that's when you've made it. That's when we know you're the real deal. Cause you're on stage, you know, mm. you have uh, this many followers, what have you. Dude. Oops. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, Ken. I think the reward system, Yeah, we should step back and really analyze and understand mm -hmm. how what we value as believers mirrors the spirit of the age. I mean, we got to take inventory on that. I mean, yeah. if what it means to be a consequential believer is exactly what it means to be a consequential non-believer, mm -hmm. we got problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to blame like society for that. You know, it was my right. error, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So that we know that's out there, you know? Oh yeah. It is out there. Yeah. It's out there. And in a lot of ways, I think we take our value assessment mm -hmm. from our culture. Yeah. I think we have to be vigilant about escaping the culture. Mm -hmm. Not that we dress in some way that we could be recognized as from somewhere else. You know, it's not about stuff we put on or stuff we have some kind of external observations or whatever. Right. We don't need to stick out unnecessarily, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to what motivates us and what we value, mm -hmm. we have to be extremely aggressive in our hearts, not to mistake true value for what the world values, right? Fame, yeah. you know? Right. I mean, we just need to pull out the temptation of Jesus and take a run through it, you know? Right. I mean, what was being promised there? You know, I mean, we can go right down the list. It kind of checks all the boxes of what the culture is promising. Right. And not even just like separating ourselves from the world, but separating ourselves from the world that's gotten into the Christian realm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the same spirit. Yeah. And I think we got to be careful when we don't realize yeah. that that the spirit of the age, I know I've said that a couple of times, uh, what I mean is like the prevailing cultural influence of our time. Mm. To me, that's an interchangeable phrase yeah. with the spirit of the age. Yeah. We got to be mindful of that and vigilant. So much of what we see that's being applauded is based on the wrong set of values. Sure. <laughs> I kept that PG, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to offer a perspective. And I, I know that's Ken's heart, too. He's not shooting at anybody. Maybe he shot himself a couple times in the foot. I did, too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not after anybody, but we want to. Be careful to focus on Jesus, you know, and focusing on what does the Lord value? And, you know, how do we get synced up with that? And how do we right. recognize that when others are walking in it and encourage them to continue on? Agreed. Yeah, I feel like I'm talking to my younger self saying, hey, listen, <laughs> young man, uh -huh. it will be better for you if. <laughs> uh, yes, me too, bro. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, Ken, thanks for taking this time to break it down with me a bit. I really appreciate your uh, point of view. Thank you, Scott. It's great to hear from you. And, and 
you know, hear how you've learned some of the things you've learned. I, I know like me, you've learned some of the things you learned in ways you won't forget them. <laughs> we can put it that way. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Thank God that, you know, from the time we take our first breath until we're complete in our assignment on the earth, we can continue learning and keep getting closer to Jesus. I have an enduring belief that that is true, and I want it to be the hallmark of my life. So I, I want to encourage you, too, that you can grow in your faith and you can be successful <laughs> in your faith. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about obedience and following sure. and building a life of significance right. in Christ. So, yeah. We'll, we'll be back and we'll break it down on book three very soon. Yes, it's not published yet, but we're going to give you the sneak peek before long. So thanks again for being here, Ken. Look forward to catching up with you in a, in a short time. It's Ken's birthday. He didn't tell anybody. And by the time you hear this, you won't know it. But just applaud. Thank God he gave Ken life and brought him into this realm. On the day that we're recording, thank you, Ken, for being here on your birthday. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thank you, Scott. Amen, amen. Hey, welcome. If you'd like to contact me or us or get back at me for some of these quotes, my email will be in the trailer. Until next time, have a good one. Thanks again for being here and to Ken for joining as well. It's been great to hear his perspective and to be challenged by him. I'd love to hear from you. What did you agree with or perhaps you disagreed with something? Let me know at scott at fxmissions.com. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Leaders Moment. Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, Please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. Thanks again.